What's going on, you bunch of nerds? It's me, Tyler Haynes. This is the Nerdwide Podcast, and I am here with Chris Rivers, my co-host. How are you, Chris? Good, man. How are you doing? I, I am well. Listen, we, we got to finally hang out for the first time last night in, uh-huh. what, a year or two? and well, A year, a couple months because of the pandemic. And I woke up this morning, not hungover. Okay, first off, let's just get that one out well, of the way. That's <laughs> I realized I didn't take any pictures of the night at all, nor did uh, anybody no. else. So we've got that going. So it's just our say so versus, you know, the world. What uh, happens in the backyard stays in the backyard. See, amen. I love it. But guys, this is the Nerdwide Podcast. This is episode 31. And let's get some quick housekeeping before we get into this episode. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or podcasting service of your choice. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave a thumbs up on YouTube or leave us a good review and comment on your podcasting service. Uh, if you don't like what you hear or see, make sure you leave us a comment instead of downvoting us so we can improve the show how we need to instead of uh, just downvoting us so we don't know how to improve. And of course, if you want to go the extra little mile, you can always go to patreon.com slash nerdwide and subscribe to us on one of those three different tiers. Now, this is going to be a short week. Our past two episodes have been roughly an hour, 45 minutes. So this one is not going to be quite as long. Not a lot of breaking news, not a lot of big news to talk about. Um, But we are going to talk about hero scravings. We are going to talk about that new screen. If you're watching on video that is behind Chris this week. And uh, just a little catching up stuff like that. Uh, we did book our tickets for Black Widow, so we are going to watch that one premiere night, July 8th is when we're watching it at 6.30 Central Time. I'm really excited about that. Um, I don't think I'm going to the movies between now and then, so that will be my official first movie back since uh, Endgame, the second time I watched it in theaters. So two years. <laughs> in a minute. Yeah, so I'm excited. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun watching it with you as well, Chris. And uh, is, is this our first MCU movie to watch together? It can't be our first one, right? It might be, yeah, because uh, I saw, I think, both Infinity War and Endgame solo. Because mm. the, the, the first time I watched Endgame was with the fam. Uh, my wife and daughter, and the second time I watched it was with my wife, daughter, and bro- no, my brother and my daughter, because we tried to, we got that infamous uh, We Love You 3000 poster for beating Avatar, and then of course Avatar and James Cameron did that whole thing in China this year, and they said, I want to be on top again, it's, anyways, so that's what's going on in our lives, if you got your tickets already, let us know down in the comments, we want to hear from you guys, and let us know what you're excited about, is Black Widow going to be your first movie in theaters, are you going to see Fast 9 already, or have you seen it, let us know, I have not seen that one, I can't wait to watch it, it just might be later on, and speaking of movies, Chris, Zack Snyder announced that his uh, Justice League, his, the Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming to physical release, and I'm going to do everything I can to get a steel book of that. So if you see that before I do, let me know because I do want to get a copy. Um, all right, let's get right into our TV section. Chris, what you been watching this week? Very, very little. Um, I watched our shows, and that's basically yeah. it. So to follow up on last week, I completely finished the 100 on Friday this week. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I did, uh, like I said last night, I did cry a little bit at the ending of it because it's just a good show. Um, right. And I feel like it's one of those shows that does anxiety really well. Like you, there's always something going on. So your stress levels are always high. Your anxiety is always high. The ending, I saw a lot of people on the internet didn't really like it that much. I thought it was fine. I felt like if I had any criticism, it kind of ended a little too early. But I don't know if it was one of those. I didn't research enough into it to see if it was one of the shows that they kind of got canned halfway through making the season. And so they kind of just tied it all up. But, I mean, I thought it was an okay ending. I don't think it was too terribly bad. Uh, I know this week coming up, the black, the final season of Black Lightning is on Netflix. So now I'm going to catch up on it. I'm hoping our other shows will get on there soon so I can stay up to date. I know the finale of Batwoman is tonight as of this recording. So that season two should be uploaded to Netflix sometime soon. So I need to watch HBO Max's the first season. I know one of those shows I'm not really interested or excited in, but I am going to watch it because again, it is part of our Arrowverse. Again, refuse to call it CWverse. So, but anyways, enough about that, Chris, let's get into our first show here. Let me swipe the phone up for the notes. And we are going into Superman and Lois, episode, season one, episode 11. And again, it's a long title. A brief reminiscence in between cataclysmic events. Okay, I, anyways, I don't, make the, I don't make the rules. So for a little overview of this one, I enjoyed this episode. It was a nice flashback of Superman getting his powers, Superman understanding who he is, where he's from, meeting Lois. Their, the way that they did their stories together, I thought was really well done. Um, and then the story, even towards the end of this episode, I enjoyed. The, the, the visuals were great. I just, I'm still worried about where we're going. But there is a, um, a cameo. Did you watch the preview for next week's? Mm. Just seeing CWTV, gotcha. so it didn't show that. Well, good. I've got some uh, something something fun for you when we get there. All right. Okay. We start out with Clark following the Sunstone to the Arctic. It throws it to the ground of frustration, and of course, it makes the Fortress of Solitude, which is just a cave, a nothing, just old boring cave with old Papa L in there. And again, not really sold on the actor for for that guy. Uh, let's see. Clark returns home after a montage of him figuring out who he is, where he's from, and learning his powers. The way that they did that was, you know, he's finding about the sun, why he was sent there. He's be, he's be Earth's champion. He starts running really fast. We see him flying. Then we see, like, he, as he's running across the, the Arctic wasteland here, he's, he's aging as he does it. I thought that was really cool. Into Tyler Hecklin. And then he jumps and flies, learns he can fly, a little giddy, a little excitement over it. Uh, Clark returns home after that. We find out that Lana is engaged, and his mother had a dream of him flying and made him a super suit. thought that was really random. I thought the, the whole Lana thing was well done because it was right in front of the theater. Harry Potter was doing a double feature, and Kyle comes in. He goes, hey, you know, I, I got the job at the fire station. Like, cool, we're setting all of this up. You know, she, he uses a little super zoom, sees she's engaged. But we go into and come back home to Mama Kent and see that she made a super suit. It doesn't have a symbol on it yet. She's like, I think it needs something on the chest. Of course, he makes the S out of it. 
Um, we see Clark going through Metropolis looking for a place to live, and we've seen the green car for the first episode in the comic series, if you remember from when we talked about the first time, and we rewatched that whole scene over again. It's I enjoyed this. A lot of people, I don't think a lot of people would enjoy it because it's just reusing the same scene, but we have a lot more backstory to it, and it, it kind of ties into it more. This is what I think. Um, Let's see. Once he saves the kid, he flies into a phone booth and changes in like classic Superman style. I thought that was a lot of fun. The way they did it with uh, him flying around the phone booth. Of course, I don't know why nobody noticed him, but you know, it's Metropolis. It's a big city. Uh, he then talks to a lady on the streets like, hey, what's going on? You know, why is everyone rushing over there? She said, some guy just flew and saved a kid and flew away. He said, what do you mean flew away? She's like, oh, you know, like a bird, like a plane. guy just flew. I was like, aha. I see what we're doing here. I like what we're doing with this episode. Um, <laughs> uh, Clark then applies for the Daily Planet. And, you know, he does this whole little, yeah, she goes, see, the lady said something about the planet. I hope someone from the planet is there. And he kind of looks yeah. up and sees the Daily Planet building, which I think this is our first time seeing it like that. And it reminded me a lot of Smallville's mm-hmm. Daily Planet uh, structure there, which, again, I'm a huge Smallville fan. Put a pin in that because that's going to come back later on. Um, we see Clark applying for the Daily Planet, and we see the uh, we see the scene again of him meeting Lois for the first time. We see them working a story beat together, taking down a Nazi, and we also see Lois dubbing him Superman for the first time. Now that Nazi going in is um, first. You noticed this before um, before I did. Actually, you told me it was Adam Man. Um, yeah. Let's see. I'm going to denofgeek.com for this little Easter egg here. So the character first appeared in 1945 on the Adventures of Superman radio show. There he was Heinrich Milch, hence the Henry Miller is who he is in this episode. A Nazi empowered by kryptonite in his bloodstream. Now he wasn't that in this one. He was just um, trying to clean his streets from, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, individuals. I don't, I don't That's the word. I'll, anyways. Um... Once he, blah, 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 we do that. So we see him. I thought this scene was these little montage of the scenes of him, him and Lois working story beats together. I thought that was very well done for their relationship. And you can see where they were both falling in love with each other, getting to connect with each other. Um, the scene, again, I don't know how she doesn't notice that's him. Again, the whole glasses thing. I mean, she, I mean they were, they've been working together for a while. And at one point, they, they do an interview like she gets this interview at the Daily Planet, just one on one with him, and the producer is like, you know, he is into you, yeah, and like it's just, I mean, how do you not notice that's who that is? And at this time, we will have to assume they've been sleeping together, because she said, you know, I've been dating Clark for a while, and you know, I'm in love with him, and she still doesn't know he's Superman. You know, he's over there smiling and giddying. Of course, he's using super hearing, and the producer calls it out at one point. I thought that scene, that, that scene might be my favorite in the whole uh, series this week. We'll show this week. Um, let's see what we got to. Okay, then we see Lois meeting Martha. I put Martha in all caps because I was going to do a whole uh, Zack Snyder's ba- Batman versus Superman. Martha, why'd you say that name thing? But I'm not going to do it. I'm not going. I'm not sinking to that level. Um, <laughs> then we see a nice little wedding montage. Um, it ends with Clark telling Jor-El about the wedding and the scene glitches. And... Uh, he screams for Clark to get out, and Clark just wakes up in a bed. I thought that was really well, really weird, but it, it plays back, and we, we're about to get there. 
Uh, turns out Edge at the Fortress was Superman and using a device to see Clark's life and see into his mind while Clark is unconscious. Um, he knows everything and is now he is threatening the boys in order for Superman to surrender to submit. It's the biggest part of the later half of this episode. Again, first half of the episode, phenomenal. I loved every single minute of it. Uh, this last half, good. A lot better than the past two weeks, but not as good as the first half of it. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Edge crushes the... Ooh, uh, so Edge and him get in a fight. They get a little verbal spat. Edge crushes the sun crystal as Superman and him fight while messing up the fortress. And, of course, Edge knocks him out, Superman out once again. I'm like, dude, how are you losing this bad? But uh, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, he is still weak from the previous fight and using up all his solar energy. So now, you know, hindsight 2020 and looking back and saying this now in my head and on the podcast, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. We cut back to the Cushing household again, and the uh, <laughs> as that in ignoring the adult storyline, we see Sarah doesn't want to be just friends with Jordan, and they kiss and officially become a couple. I thought that was fun how they did it. Of course, the kids are very minor in this ser- this episode. Um, and then we see Kyle pulls Lois aside. He apologizes to her about everything she he said to her about Edge, and she was right, and all this other nonsense. Again, Lois Lane. Always right. Don't, you know, why even try at this point? So, uh, <laughs> I, said, I said, Kyle also apologizes to Lois about everything, but eh. <laughs> this one I don't say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we go back to the Kent farm where Edge approaches the family as Uncle Morgan and then go to a commercial break. I thought that was very funny. He said, what? No need to be here. No need to be afraid. It's just Uncle Morgan. I was like, oh, this guy. The ball's on this guy. Um... We see Clark submits to Edge after his family almost gets killed. What happened was we see Edge and Jordan start arguing, and Edge tries to blast him with laser eyes. They Jordan and Edge's laser eyes go away. Jordan, obviously weaker, gets blasted back. He's about to use laser eyes again and kill the family, and then Superman lands, uh, abates all of that. Um... We see that we see in here that Edge puts his sun crystal in the desert because he likes the sun. Who doesn't like to smile up at the sun instead of the freezing cold? Uh, again, we're going this whole half brothers thing. We're doing a complete opposite is what we're doing here with this whole uh, uh, iteration of the story. We see Edge talks to his father over in the sun, the fortress of solitude in the desert. Uh, turns out that his dad is talking to him to take over the planet. Maybe they're weak. We're going to rebuild Krypton. We're going to do this all for our Kryptonians. Uh, your mother's the reason that that Superman's the way he is. Blah, 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 blah. Superman uh, then flies in. He does submit as long as his family is spared. And we're starting to see where the uh, Henry Irons scenario where Superman submits and takes care and destroys Metropolis. We're starting to get to that storyline. Uh, Superman gets turned at the same layer. He starts, I guess it comes under the mind control of, I don't know if it's really mind control, but they take away his emotions of love for, for earth. And we see his eyes start glowing red. It looks really cool. We see Lois calls irons and lets him know it's starting. Boom. End of episode. Now, if you watch it on Hulu, the they do the little preview for the next week. Now, Chris, this is where it gets interesting. We see 
We hear Irons talking to us. We're assuming Lois. He goes, you know, they destroy, he destroyed Metropolis in less than seven minutes before moving on to the rest of the world. And then, like, we're doing little images through this. But in a little military station, here we go. John Diggle is in the next episode. So is it Green Lantern John Diggle? Or is it John Diggle, John Diggle? You know what I mean? I don't. I just don't know. Right. And this is our first, with him in this next episode, it's our first real confirmation this is a part of the Arrowverse. Um, right. But uh, that's this week's episode. Yeah, this is, uh, it's taken him a while to get to this storyline. Yes. You know, but I think it took, I think it took a couple episodes too long. This could have been a 10-episode season, and it would have worked better. Mm-hmm. Because I'm I'm to the point that you could just... I know we've talked about it before. Kyle can go. Yep. Right? You can keep Lana or Lana around because it. she does have a history with Clark and, and all that. So you could keep her around and then have all news storylines of someone in the dark with Sarah and Jordan and then Jonathan potentially getting his powers. I just, I don't see a place for Kyle going forward. Mm. And uh, I do think he ends up getting killed. Yeah. He'll sacrifice himself but, somehow. Yeah. Cause he feels guilt over what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, this is I thought it was weird when Edge takes uh, Superman to his lair and it's out in the desert. I'm thinking the sun gives him his powers. Right. <laughs> You've taken him out to one of the sunniest places. Why would you do that? Yeah. it's. I mean, he takes him into the the cave, right? So, I mean, he's not, but still. And then you've got and the. Uh, I, I think. Go ahead. I think his his it's we're gonna find out his will is stronger, than uh, than Edge and Edge's hologram father think it is. The, the old right. drunk looking He's, father. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he looked bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, what in the world is going on with this dude? I don't know what they're doing casting wise with the the dads, on this show. I don't know, but are we ever going to see Jor-El again? Right. Oh, because, because the sunscreen was yeah. destroyed. Mm. Let's see. I don't know. I got to think about this episode as well. I keep thinking in my head, hey, how would you make this more of an Arrowverse show? Because this does not feel arrowverse to me. Like, it doesn't feel like, I mean, Black Lightning is different. Arrowverse still has, you know, good, but towards the end, it wasn't really... Uh, it didn't have the same feel like Flash was as tomorrow did. But right. I was like, I wish they kind of would have focused on the kids mainly and their storyline instead of Clark and Lois. I mean, you still call it Superman and Lois, right? But focus on the kids and make it more of a small village show and then bring Superman. I just, I'll just think in different stuff like that. But, I mean, I enjoy it. Again, to your point, I do think it could have been – uh, much shorter of a season and it would have more of an impact and we still have five episodes to go and i'm like how <laughs> We've, what, what else are we have to talk about at this point 
they stop the invasion and that's it i mean yeah unless they're not going to drag out the fact that jordan has powers and he's going to reveal it in an effort to put a stop to what's going on right i just i don't know but, but... then that gives away clark's identity See, it's like, well, how do you have the same powers as Superman? Right. I I thought for real he was about to tell her this episode. When they were sitting on the floor, he was like, I'm not going to keep any secrets from you anymore. I was like, oh, we're really about to go there. But, again, yeah, they didn't. Now, but <laughs> it'll come back later, though. Oh, it, That's going to be one of the big story beats is somehow Jordan will be out patrolling the city now and doing the same thing that Clark did back in Smallville days. And uh, stopping meteor freaks and stuff like that. Again, keep a pin in the Smallville talk because we're going to come back to that here in a minute. The show, not the city. Yeah. Oh, sirens are on my end. There's people going behind me here. Uh, ratings for this one. We are point twenty this week. It is up from point one eight of last week. Now, the douche canoe couldn't really pick just one. I mean, we had to. It was pretty much a tie here. So for this one, we did a tie between Adam Man and Zeta Rowe, which is the drunken dad. Um, just for the, <laughs> just because of the little mind so over. I know it looks so bad. It looks like you just woke up out of the bar. Son, what are you doing? Yeah. You have to destroy these feelings. <laughs> um, next week's episode title is Episode Twelve: Through the Valley of Death. I'm, I'm excited about that one. I'm. Glad to see John Diggle in here. I thought that mm -hmm. seeing that in the preview got me really excited about it because we left the end of Arrow with him assumedly getting a Green Lantern ring. Assumingly, as I'm putting right. in quotations. So this will be after that, so we're going to see what you know what actually happened, potentially. I, I hope he stays on the show because that would bring it so much better. I can't wait, especially since he's directed uh, an episode a couple ones back. Right. So... Next one we have here is Loki Episode 3, Lamentus. Now, this is... I did not take a whole lot of notes for this one because it's not a lot of big things happen. It was a lot of monologuing. Yeah. You see a lot of um, Loki and Sylvie is her new name. She does not like to be called Loki. We see a lot of her backstory-ish, why the way she is, kind of. But it's Loki trying to figure out who she is and her powers so it wasn't a whole lot to, to take notes much on just because the uh the monologuing but we see the variant arrives at the tva and attempts to find the timekeepers followed by loki who uses a tent pad to teleport them both to escape from renslayer what happens was they you know both get there they start talking to each other he's got knives somehow and they go to the elevator to try and get to the timekeepers uh, Renslayer approaches. They were about to get killed, and what Loki does in the nick of time is makes a time doorway, and they fall into Lamentus One, which is in 2077. I'm trying to keep all these dates in my head because I think in the movies and further mm -hmm. shows they're going to mention stuff like this, like the the whole thing that's going on Lamentus right. One, which is a moon that's going to be crushed by a planet, is is all a. I feel like that's going to be like a, a one-handed comment somewhere down the line, maybe in Eternals or. Um, Something like that. But that's, that's just where I'm trying to keep all these dates in my head. Um, 
It says the Tempad runs out of power. Loki magically hides it from the variant, who is now going by the alias Sylvie. Uh, so they're agreeing to work with each other to charge it. They sneak aboard a train bound for the Ark. Before they do that, though, there was a nice little, um, they find a house out on this moon. I thought this, the, the landscape, the, the, the picture and the cinematography of the moon was really cool. Because the whole time, there's small little uh, meteors hitting the moon. Like the whole time. I thought that was really cool how, they, how it looked. Um, he goes to a house and they try to knock on the door. The Sylvie gets shot with a little uh, airwave shotgun blast. And then Loki tries to be his, the lady's husband. And she says, you know, he would never be that nice <laughs> or care about me or something like that. And he gets shot. It turns back into his no nice. Right. She said something like, he hasn't been that nice in 30 years mm -hmm. or something like that. I thought that was yeah. very funny how they, good. how they did that one. They sneak aboard a train bound for the Ark, which is an evacuation spaceship, which they could believe has enough power to recharge the temp pad. Uh, during this scene, they've got, of course, again, a lot of monologuing going on here. We see Loki getting drunk after Sylvia wakes up and is drawing attention to, to Loki and Sylvie, which leads to a pretty cool fight with guards um, that eventually threw him off the train. Um, you know, he was doing his whole Asgardian monologue. It was, it was very fun how they did it. Again, if you haven't watched any of these episodes that we talked about, please make sure you are because we, we enjoyed these shows, especially the Marvel uh, television but uh, when he gets thrown off the train, Sylvie jumps to the window after him. Only we find out that when he landed, he broke the tin pad. So now they have no way to get back to, to the TVA. Uh, we just, the Dezero decide to finish the journey on foot and try to get to the Ark so they can use it to escape. Because now they can't really officially get away from the apocalypse safely. So now they're going to try and actually get through with the Ark. But Sylvie already tells him the Ark was destroyed and never lost, left planet anyways. So... Kind of last ditch effort, and he says, you know, but they didn't have us on there. Thought that was cool how he said that. You know, time, timey wimey, weebly wobbly stuff. Uh, we find out that Sylvie reveals that the TVA's workers are all variants and were not created by the team timekeepers as Mobius has claimed. I don't, I didn't really like that we didn't have Mobius in this episode a whole lot at all, really. But this, the whole revealing that the TVA's workers are all variants and are not created by the timekeepers i'm wanting to think i'm wanting to think that mobius might be one of the timekeepers because that could be something that marvel likes to do is plant these people in there like obviously with agatha she was planted in there from the very beginning so maybe he is one of the time what not not um the band Lord, not kang but maybe one of the other two is just kind of he got bored and he's kind of because no one's ever met these timekeepers so no one really knows what they look like uh, then we see Loki and Silly finding their way through guards and a crowd of people attempting to board the Ark. But before they get there, they look up and a meteor smashes through the Ark and they are left stranded. And they both kind of look at each other and then just turn away and walk, start walking away. So how are we getting off of Lamentus? I don't know. I mean, it was not a very, not a lot of noteworthy stuff to take for this episode. But it was a good episode because we found out more of Sylvie's, um reason she is the way she is not so trusting i still don't think she's loki that everyone says she is 
This was the, the episode where we found out that Loki is bisexual, which again, if you're a part of Norse mythology, it's not that big of a deal because how he always is. A lot of people are like, oh, they're just trying to appease the, you know, appease the SJWs. I'm like, no, 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 he's always been this way. But it was just a one-hand comment, you know. It's, anyways, that was a good episode. Not as good as the first two, but it's decent. I did a little, um, little digging. Okay. On and on a site called Showbiz Cheat Sheet, there's a little info about Lamentus One. Um, it points out it's a habitable moon of the planet Lamentus, located in the large. I can't say this word. Magellanic cloud in a realm controlled by the Kree. Mm. Um, so it points out it Lamentus first appeared in the 2007 comic Annihilation Conquest Prologue Number One. The series follows superheroes Quasar, Moondragon, and Peter Quill as they try to navigate a world bound for destruction. Um, and then it points out, it says, By now Marvel fans know nothing is random in the MCU and the introduction of Lamentus, a known Kree territory. It hint the planet will show up in a future MCU project. Mm. From the WandaVision finale, we know Nick Fury's working with the Kree, and considering he'll be in the upcoming Marvel series Secret Invasions, Lamentus 1 may reemerge as part of a Kree-related storyline. So I think that's pretty cool. They, it came from the comics, though. Like, it's already been established in the comics. I just think it's the way that they put so much into tying all this together. Um, and we won't get into some other companies that have no ability to do that. But <laughs> Mar Marvel's, Marvel's properties are so much fun to watch because of it. Mm -hmm. And it's that's why everyone loves the Mephisto comments. Like, everyone's like, oh, the... Um, Everyone's trying to tie Mephisto into it because, like, it's been mentioned and stuff like that. Like, the whole devil yeah. thing in the first episode, which wasn't Mephisto, the the creator and writers already confirmed that Mephisto is not anywhere related to this. But I do want to come back and bring, uh, since you mentioned WandaVision, our, our buddy BD over at comic.com noticed something in the last, in the post title scene, the post credit scene of the last episode of WandaVision. So there is, when it's painting through the forest and then to the house, there's nothing there. But now, as of last week, if you pan through the forest, there's a shadowy figure. It looks like it's kind of coming down, like in the shadow of the forest. So everyone's like, is that Doctor Strange? And then, like, as soon as it cuts to the house, she's getting up. But, like, she looks up as she's getting up and then walks into the house. So everyone's like, is Marvel really going back and editing things? Or is that just like, to me, it could look like someone floating down, but it could also look like a drone shadow flying, you know, capturing the footage. Yeah. But it, but why it wasn't in the, the first time we saw it, but now it's changed. I, you know, that's one of the things I don't know. But if Marvel's really going back and editing things like that, it makes me just want to rewatch it all <laughs> and see things we didn't. Yeah. Well, that's. And that's the point, right? Yeah, they like, they know what they're doing. They leak one or two things like that. Yeah, well, and they're probably taking some tips from George Lucas on how to go back and <laughs> edit things, change things. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, dish canoe for this one. There was really only one major one, kind of a minor one. 
the major one was Sylvie, mainly due to her torturing the the guard, the TVA worker from last episode. She was baiting her when she worked when she lived on Earth and was baiting her into telling her all this stuff. And just mind control is just never a good thing. But she calls it enchantment and she breaks their will in their mind. Um, the other one it was the guy that righted them out of the train, which we didn't really have a name for or anything like that. So is the is your right. lesser one. Uh of course no episode titles released for next week. So we will get the title you know when we get I there. I, I did see a uh comment Tom Hiddleston made where he said episodes four and five really changed the game for what for the story that God, they're don't, telling. Don't so, change anything on Endgame. Don't you do it. Don't just don't do it. The end game was just so perfect. Oh, don't don't make it even more perfect. Oh. I I can't help I can't help though but think that since Loki has seen this version of Loki has seen his death mm-hmm. that he it's it's in his nature he would plan a way around that right. I see. So I don't. I to me with with Loki I just don't know where this ends, like. Do we do another Loki season of him in the TVA? Or do we make it into a way where Tom Hills, well, Loki finds a way to put himself back into the sacred timeline? Like, I, I just don't know right. where this ends. You know what I mean? Especially with all the knowledge he knows now. Can he go back into the sacred timeline? I mean, I, I don't know how it works. Does he, does he go back into the timeline and go back to the new Asgard? Right. And maybe it makes an illusion of himself because I mean he obviously loves his people and he loves his Asgardian ways. I mean the way he talked about his mother in this episode. I mean it's I just don't know what they're going to do with that. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, we got four articles on the news story here this week. First one is Superman and Lois filmed the season one finale this week, and based on the script title, Tom Cavanaugh is directing. I'm going to Elizabeth Tolick's, um tweet directly from this of course it shows the i'm putting it up on the screen it shows the the little script with all the names and everything on there you probably can see it on screen anyways she said filming the superman the lowest season one finale very grateful to everyone in the fam of steel and the super fam who has joined us on this journey tyler hecklin and i are both really proud of this show and our hard-working writers producers cast and kick-ass crew so it is oh so 115 so we've only got four episodes left instead of five Anyways, uh, directed by Tom Cavanaugh and based on the characters appearing in the DC Comics Superman. And his title is Last Sons of Krypton. So somehow we're still going on to the, the Krypton with, uh, what's his name? The brother, Morgan Edge. So, so I thought that was pretty cool. I like how they're keeping all of their Arrowverse people contained into the shows. One way or the right. other, whether it's directing. I mean, I know this most recent episode on Tuesdays of Flash was directed by um, Caitlin. Uh, who plays Caitlin? Oh, I'm only drawing a blank on her name. She plays Killer Frost. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll remember it randomly here in a minute. Um, uh, see? It's right there. Danielle Panabaker. That's the one. Danielle Panabaker. She directed this most recent episode of The Flash. And she's enjoying doing it. And Grant Gustin's directed an episode or two. I think it's kind of cool how they let them do that. 
Number two, and this is where we're going to unpull that Smallville pin out from earlier. Tom Welling reveals during a cameo that him and Michael Rosenbaum are working on a Smallville animated series. We're going to comicbook.com by Matthew Aguilar for this one. Smallville fans got an unexpected surprise when the series was part of DC and CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths, bringing back Tom Welling and giving us a glimpse of what happened if the series ended. It was awesome to see Welling back in the role until Clark and Lois have started their family since we last saw them, but that might, be, that might not be the last time we see Smallville's universe. In a new cameo, Welling just responded to a fan who loved the show, and right at the end of the message, he teased that he's working on an animated series with Michael Rosenbaum, who of course played Lex Luthor in the series. Welling revealed that they are developing the project and hoping to get as many original cast members from the show involved, but he didn't exactly say who else would be involved or where they hope it will air. You can check out the, the post, uh, you just Google it, and you can find the cameo post. Of course, it was supposed to be a secret. Uh, quote in the video, this is what he said in the video. Maybe there's a Smallville marathon coming your way. Michael Rosebaum and I are actually working on an animated series to bring those characters back to life and use as many of the original cast members as possible, Welling said. Don't tell anybody, though. It's a secret, and we're still working on it. Obviously, uh, the person that got this cameo did not keep it a secret. Because Michael Rosenbaum even retweeted the cameo and said, well, obviously they didn't listen. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's supposed to be under wraps. And, but Yeah, but, but you you have to know if you're him that if you say something like that to a fan. It's yeah, because the small bill is um, huge. <laughs> so. We know one. We do know one person that won't be back. Yeah, we're not going to mention her. <laughs> yeah, she She won't be back for any of the readings. <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> I'm excited not though. Unless I, that's how she makes her uh, her one phone call. Right, it's just to record a couple of lines. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, if they can get as many of the cast members back as possible, I am all in. Just having um, you know Lex Luthor and Superman on there is all I need. Just having Michael Rosenbaum back, I am. That's all I needed, really. And I'm yeah. glad that they're working together to to make this and try and make this as successful as possible. Now, two coworkers that aren't trying to make this successful is our third number story here. Supernatural prequel is in the works from CW. So CW and Jensen and Danielle Ackles. Uh, we're going to Deadline.com, who broke this story by Nelly Andriva. Supernatural, one of the most important series in the history of the CW, is eyeing a comeback with a new iteration with the prequel, The Winchesters, centered on Dean and Sam Winchester's parents. The project now in development at the network is executive produced by Supernatural star Jensen Eccles, who also reprised his Dean Winchester character as a narrator of the TV show, and Eccles' wife, Supernatural recurring guest star, Danielle. The Winchesters, which has script commitment, is written and exclusively ex executive produced by another Su Supernatural alum, former co-executive producer, Robbie Thompson. Now, again, of course, they're going to milk this series as much as they can. I don't know how excited I am for a prequel. Will I watch it? Of course I'm going to watch it. Did I really need this? No. But the big problem is, apparently... Jared Padalecki, who plays Dean's brother on the show, knew nothing about this. And that's where it gets, this is where it gets rough. So we're going to uh, Jared Padalecki's Twitter. This is all on Friday, by the way. Uh, uh, where is the original tweet I had? Maybe I accidentally deleted it on my phone. But 
It said, um, of course, Deadline wouldn't have the actual tweet in there. He said, it's kind of sad that I'm hearing about this for the first time on Twitter, considering I'm one of the brothers of the show. Um, apparently, Jensen saw that tweet and then had a conversation over the phone, obviously. So Jared said in a tweet, Jensen Ackles and I had a great talk, as we do often. Things are good. The show was very early in the process with miles to go. We traveled a lot of roads together, and sometimes those damn roads have bumps. Bumps don't stop us. Once brothers, always brothers. Uh, Jensen retweets that same tweet and says, Love you, Jarpeb. Miss these talks. I forget how much FaceTime we used to get with each other. And I miss that too. I know you're busy as I as as am I, but you're still my brother. I miss you, pal. So to me, I know I know Jared Padalecki's got the, the Walker show going on right now. But don't you think that if I'm going I'm the biggest of the two co stars of Supernatural, don't you think that I would reach out and say, Hey, I'm wanting to do this. I just want to kind of give you a heads up. Wouldn't you want to, wouldn't you think that would be a, a conversation that should have been had? It's a no. Uh, I mean, maybe in his mind there was no reason to say anything until it was further along. Yeah. Um, them, them saying that it has miles to go, it may not, it may not be that close. This might be something that if, if the ball gets rolling on it, maybe it's fall 2023 before we see anything. Right. So I mean, all we know is that they're executive producing, and it's going to take place before with him narrating. So, I mean, we don't know a whole lot on it, but I, I kind of am with Jared on this one. I'm like, it kind of sucks to find out that this is happening on Twitter. Like, you log into Twitter yeah. one day, and you see this is happening. Um, but I'm glad that, you know, of course they've worked together for over 15 years now. And so they've got a very close relationship and I'm sure it was easily, like you said, he probably just said, dude, it's, it's very early on. I didn't know the story was breaking yet. He said, we're well, just something we've kind of been working on. We we're going to tell you, but it just wasn't the right time or something like that. I can see that. Oh, speaking of time, the boys season three as Lori Holden as Crimson Countess. We're going to EW.com for this one by Jolie Lash. From zombies to spies to soups, Lori Holden has been cast in The Boys. The actress is well known for playing Andrea on AMC's The Walking Dead and spent and who spent some time as Renee in Fox's The Americans has lined up the recurring role of Crimson Countess in the third season of the Amazon series EW has confirmed. Holden shared her joy over landing the role on Twitter on Friday. Quote, been sitting on this for a, lo- a long while. Hoping to share this with you all, I am loving being a freaking superhero. Dream job for sure, smiley face. So, there we go. I'm excited. So, Crimson Countess is a member of Payback, which Payback, which is led by Jensen Ackles' Soldier Boy. In the comics, Payback existed at the same time as the Soups, but in the show, they've been talked about in the past. Soldier Boy has been described as a Captain American-esque superhero who helped the Allied forces against the Nazis in World War II. Crimson is as little like as uh, a little like Marvel Scarlet Witch and can shoot heat from her hands. So to give you a little bit of a, a backstory on her and what she's gonna be about in the show. I'm I'm on. Bring, oh, bring the boys on. So Yeah. I've I've gotta I've gotta get caught up on I'm this. You, before you're gonna love this show. The new season drops. You're gonna love it. 
Uh, speaking just, of, I've, I've got to find time, Tyler, to watch all this. <laughs> That's stuff what it all comes really down to. That's all it comes down to. Uh, speaking of time, releases this week, Wednesday, July seventh, we got Monsters at Work dropping on Disney Plus, and the newest season, the season of Riverdale, dropping on CW on the same day. Thursday, July eighth, the animated show Resident Evil: Infinite Darkness launches on Netflix. Of course, that show looks just real. You can't even tell it's animated. And that is it for TV this week. Word. All right, let's jump into movies then. Um, our movie review is Luca. Now, did you watch anything else? No, that's, it was all the 100 all the time. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I didn't either. Um, movies that are this new, it's really hard to talk about. Because you don't want to give away too much. So we'll just go with a very quick synopsis, and then I'll I'll throw it to you for your initial thoughts. Uh, basically, Luca is a sea monster who really wants to go to the surface. And these sea monsters, when they go to the surface and they dry off, they look like normal human beings. Um, and along the way, he encounters a friend who... Um, is also a sea monster and also hangs out on the surface. And it's their adventure to just spend a summer without any cares among the humans and um, some of the people that they meet along the way. Uh, I guess that's a yeah. pretty decent surmising of the show of the movie. Um, what do you think of this? I enjoyed it. I, I like the Pixar movies. Now, as far as the animation, a lot of the scenes, like with the water and stuff, look really good. Again, same people that are finding Nemo and uh, movies like that. And I thought the way they did it in the water was great. Uh, the little, when the surf was hitting the, the land was really well done. But there were some of these scenes, though, I, I don't know if it was the pandemic or, or what it was, but it just didn't look good enough like as some of the other previous movies have but i'm not sure how much of this was done in pandemic times but mm -hmm. like some of the hair didn't look good like a lot of the human aspects didn't look as good as say the sea monsters in the in the water did now the story was really good i, I enjoyed it uh especially the ending and then like the post like as the credits were rolling they showed little uh, drawings of what happened after the movie um, they could easily do a number two if they wanted to. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. The, some of the things like the uncle didn't really make much sense to me. They could have done without, but the, they have a good, Pixar does a really good job of making little kids be little douchers, um, with like the bad, I guess the quote unquote bad guy of the show. Um, not really bad. But he's just a bully, you know what I mean? Um, but other than that, I, I really enjoyed it. I gave it three and a half stars on uh, Letterboxd, which is coming right in about a B, B minus for me for this show, this movie. But again, not one of my favorite Pixar movies, but it was good. And um, I think if you've got little ones, make sure you watch it because it's, it's colorful, grabs their attention, and it's got a good story to it. I've actually still got an inner mind on, on Letterboxd. But yeah, three and a half is where, where I was going to be at on that. Um, 
four recognizable members. I'm sure that some some people would recognize some of the other members of the cast. Mm-hmm. John Ratzenberger is in this. Yep. Uh, so it's always he's he's got one of those recognizable voices. Like as soon as you hear him, you're like, "Yep, that's John Ratzenberger." <laughs> uh, Maya Rudolph played the bomb. Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> yeah, Jim Gaffigan is the is uh, Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. And then Sasha Baron Cohen was the is uncle. The... <laughs> so, did you uh, watch the post credit scene? Because there was yeah. one. Yeah. We, I was doing stuff, or I was cleaning the living room or something when it popped up on the screen. I didn't expect it to, but it was just him talking. I was like, that's so good. That was so funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, three and a half stars, really entertaining movie. Like, like you said, the kids will really love it. Um, adults will probably notice some of the same things that we noticed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you were pointing out the, some of the animation issues. Uh, but a good Pixar movie. This is just, it's it's not, I don't think it's amazing. It's not top five Pixar movies of right. all time or anything like that. But It's like right, right um, in the middle of the road. Which is a list we should, yeah, that's the list we should do one day, by the way. That's like 23 movies. Uh, that's, that's just as much as MCU. <laughs> Well, hey, we we could rank all of them. We don't have to actually rewatch everything. Oh, that, okay, that's a good call. Go off memory <laughs> and rank them. Uh, so yeah, B minus is where I'm at on that as well. Next week's movie, I care a lot, and this is one that I think it was in one or two of our polls mm-hmm. when we put them up. Um, it never got selected. So it we keeps selected the losers. Up on my Netflix. <laughs> yeah well it keeps popping up on my netflix and i'm like all right something wants me to watch this movie so i suggested it tyler was like yeah that sounds cool it's somewhat related to the healthcare field mm-hmm. in a way and uh it's a what they would have called back in the day i don't know if they still call them this black comedy right because mm-hmm. it's that dark humor. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. couple of news items. Grace Fulton will play Mary's super alter ego in Shazam 2. I can't say Shazam without thinking of Gomer Pyle. It's just not, <laughs> not possible. Um, this comes from Screen Rant, and... It's by Grant Hermans. Uh, Director David F. Sandberg has confirmed Grace Fulton will be portraying both versions of Mary in the DC Extended Universe's Shazam! Fury of the Gods. The sequel to the acclaimed 2019 blockbuster sees Zachary Levi's titular hero forced to face off against the Daughters of Atlas with help from his superpowered foster family. Levi and Fulton return alongside Asher Angel, Jack Dylan, Grazer, Faith Herman, Adam Brody, Megan Good, Ian Chen, Ross Butler, Jovan Armand, and DJ Katrona. So that's kind of cool that they're yeah, doing it. I think, yeah, I think uh, good call. I think David uh, Sandberg said because it was a tweet is what he confirmed all this. He said they did it with Wonder Woman. They said why can't I do it with a couple of makeup with for her? 
I was like, I mean, right. you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Um, the last news item for movies here comes from people.com. It's from Jen Juno. How many Jens do Juno? That one fizzled. <laughs> uh, Scarlett Johansson to produce new film based on Disney's Tower of Terror ride. The report come the reports come 23 years after the release of 1997's Tower of Terror, starring Steve Gutenberg and Kirsten Dunst. Um, I remember that movie. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson appears to be crossing over into the Twilight Zone. The 36-year-old Black Widow actress is set to take on producing duties for a new film based on Disney Parks attraction, The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, according to Collider and Deadline. While plot and cast details have yet to be revealed, Josh Cooley, who directed Toy Story 4, is on board to write the screenplay per the outlets. Johansson will team up with Jonathan Leah to produce under her These Pictures Company. First introduced in 1994, The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is a drop-in-the-dark ride based on the classic television series of the same name. Host Rod Serling narrates the experience in which guests weave through a queue inside the fictional Hollywood Tower Hotel before boarding an elevator that travels directly to the Twilight Zone. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Let's see. So, yeah. We'll see if it comes out, you it know, does point six out, years later from now. Yeah, it just it talks a little bit about the original Tower of Terror film. Um, nothing really relevant here. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's um, hopefully it's better than the last one. I've never watched the last one, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> it Shocker. was all made for TV. Uh, it it was kind of one of those. I guess you would say it was like not really in the same vein as Goosebumps, but sort of like a young adult. Scary movie, okay, kind of thing. Oh, yeah. All right, Tyler. Let's see. We have we have one one more dealio here. Mm-hmm. A reminder because I'm excited about it. That not this next week, but the week after next on the show. The Black Widow review. I know, I'm so excited. Which means, which means, the night of the eighth, about what three days before we record, is when we'll actually get to watch this. Mm-hmm. We'll finally get to go to theaters again. We're gonna finally see this movie that's been two years in the making at this point, just been sitting in uh, old Kevin Feige's closet, just waiting to hit play. I can't wait for it. Yeah. Now. I wonder how many times he's watched it. Do you want? I'm often wonder how many times has he watched his movies. Do you think? Well, I mean, all he does is produce them, so I would hope he would watch everything. Right. He's got everything. I wonder if he's got ever all the secrets, like of what's to come and what he's got planned on his phone. 
or if it's on a notebook somewhere in his house, like a little small little black notebook he puts in his back pocket everywhere he goes, like in his coat pocket. I could see it. Oh, so yeah. Our next little section here is games. I've got absolutely no news to talk about. Well, we've got one th- news to talk about. I want to talk about what we've been playing first before we get into our news. Um, I have jumped back into Marvel's Avengers, and I'm playing through the Hawkeye storyline now. And that game is, is fun. They I'm playing the PlayStation 5 version now. And I'm, I'm back into it. Like, It and Destiny, those live service games, I just they, they sink their teeth in me, and they just won't let go. And so I'm trying to get ready for the, the new Wakanda stuff that launches in two months in August. I just want to make sure I'm leveled up mm-hmm. and I know what's going on with the story before I just jump back in blind and I'm down in expansion or something like that. So that's that's all I've been playing this week. Now, what you've been playing and our one news item here on the sheet kind of go hand in hand. And it's what's right there behind you uh, in nice, pretty white. And what's on the screen is nice and green. Um, as you get, if you're not watching on video, there's obviously not a box over here to my left-hand side that you normally see. So Chris, tell me, tell, tell everybody what's going on there behind you. There's a, I got a TV back here. There you go. That's nice. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I finally picked up, um, when we hung out yesterday, I picked up my Xbox S. From Tyler's uh, came in last night hooked it up it's mostly ready to go uh, I've got to get the external hard drive because the S only has was it like 580 mm-hmm. gigs not of a memory. lot so no not a lot at all and of course it asks you when you're setting it up which of these apps would you like to add and I was like well none of them since you don't have any <laughs> thanks for asking though yeah well, <laughs> Let me jam my S full of all these apps and and no, so yeah, I I haven't had an opportunity to play it yet because I'm waiting until I do get the external hard drive so I can download what I want to play, but um, the controller is going to take some getting used to yeah. for someone that's exclusively played PlayStation. the The right hand's okay. The left, the left hand is way up here in it. <laughs> yeah, it's like way up there. I'm on the D-pad, and I'm like, okay, this, <laughs> it should be. No, this isn't right. It's going to take years, and I'm never going to get comfortable with it. Right. Because I'm going to be going back and forth between the two. So I'm excited for you to, to once you get that hard drive, to play some Game Pass games and see what Game Pass is all about. And we're recording this in, on Sunday, and even right now, uh, hashtag Game Pass is trending for just random reasons on Twitter, like not on purpose, just people mm-hmm. are talking about it, and uh, it's it's the best deal in gaming. And I, I'm seriously, man, I, I can't wait. It, it's so much fun, especially with like all the. It games really is. I, yeah, I I signed up for the ultimate, which got me the first month at a dollar. Mm-hmm two free months so i don't pay the 14.99 until month four yeah so and there's there's a lot of it's it it's a good mixture of titles if you haven't gotten an xbox um there's a lot of a titles on there you know you've got all your major sports titles and then you've got like grand theft auto 5 is on there and red dead online is on there and 
um, but you also still have a nice mixture of smaller titles that mm -hmm. you may not have heard of that look interesting that you're going to want to try. I was telling um, Tyler earlier that the Walking Dead Telltale games are on there. So if you're someone like myself and unlike Tyler <laughs> who doesn't platinum a lot of games, <laughs> the Telltale games... The Telltale games are easy platinums. You, know, you basically just have to play the game, mm -hmm. and and you platinum it at the end because there's very little. What combat there is, they slow walk you through because the game will slow down for you to hit the correct button, um, and then the rest of it's just narrative decisions. So, uh, I'm excited about it. Like I've, and then the thing with Game Pass too is one for both of us being iPhone users, is that. And, you know, in the next coming of weeks, xCloud will be on our phones. And so with being a Game Pass mm -hmm. Ultimate, we get xCloud. So we can play Xbox wherever we're connected to Wi-Fi. And, like, so if I I don't have to take my consoles with me. Like, if I go on vacation, I'm just going to take my controller. Because I'll just put my controller on my little, um, oh, excuse me, connector I have. And just play it from my phone. Like, I don't have to worry about taking it everywhere. Especially when I'm doing my I'm going to get fired. Yes, it's it's dangerous. Oh, Chris is in the bathroom <laughs> again. Man, he's, his stomach's really messed up. <laughs> so it, it, it's great. And like with E3, every so 27 of the 30 games they showed at E3 is coming to day and date on Game Pass. So you don't have to buy these games. Halo, you don't have to buy. Like it's just, it's yeah. crazy to me. But I, I can't wait. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, next week we'll have more to talk about uh, with your experience and things like that. But we don't have that was the only news thing I had here on gaming. Not a whole lot as far as what's coming out. Destroy All Humans comes to Switch on June nineteenth, and Doki Doki Literature Club, Club Plus comes out to every single console on June thirtieth. Um, might look into that. I'm not sure yet. I've heard that's one of those must-play games. Short, but nothing too crazy. But guys, that is it. We had a shorter episode. We're still at about an hour for this week. Uh, thank you all for listening and watching uh, at home. If you enjoyed, you listen to, make sure you subscribe to us on whatever podcasting or YouTube service you use. If you enjoy what you liked, uh, like us on a video. Let us know in the comments what you enjoyed. Let us know what you didn't enjoy, how we can improve this podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow the NerdWide account at nerd underscore wide. You can follow me at Ty underscore Haynes. And you can follow Chris at MathTN7. If you're on Facebook, you can also follow us on Facebook at nerdwide.com over there. Uh, we've got some stuff coming out soon that Chris has been working on uh, here lately. So we'll, have, we'll talk about that coming up. And guys, as always, this has been the NerdWide Podcast, episode 31. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. And we hope you enjoyed it. And we can't wait to let you know how Chris's Game Pass experience goes next week.